I really liked the office I was in before, but it was a 1,200 square foot loft with like eight, three 18-foot ceilings, like 18-foot windows. It had like a 20-foot ceiling. It was awesome, like aesthetically. Yeah. But like it was me and Taylor and other people would be in, and it was just a big open workspace. So like if you're on a call, you step out. And when you step out, because it's an old mill, it didn't have air conditioning or anything yeah. or heat. So it was like super uncomfortable. And then loading gear in and out of it sucked because you had to load up a car, go up a ramp, go about, you know, 50 yards out the back dock. Like, it, and then even then that you had to go downstairs to get off of it. It was a big pain in the ass. So yeah, we, uh, when we were looking, we were like, we want something that's easy to load in and out of single floor. We want something with individual offices, but still have like some flex space for like, people coming in and out you saw the bullpen yeah. you know um so it's a lot more comfortable but i do miss the aesthetic you know because it was just such a cool space like i could take photos in there and they, they look great and had all this great window light and now i just have my little cave which i mean suits color a lot better because half the time we would cover the windows to darken it up and it's like wow we have these really big windows that we can't use because i have to have a somewhat controlled space yeah <laughs> so I know. Hopefully, I got I got to look into that some more because it's definitely like just the. I mean, honestly, like as silly as it sounds, one of the reasons that I'm theoretically excited about moving it upstairs is just like it's so adjacent to everything else we do that like I'll find myself like we're like going to play a card game and it's so easy to like go turn on Spotify on my computer and then you're like oh I should check my email tab that I have open and like even just putting it mm -hmm. on a different floor I feel like would be helpful because it's just. Yeah, it's easy for that to get blurry. So I would like yeah. to have an office. It's on the list. But it's also one of those like um, I feel like something I've been trying to get better at is to not be afraid of like intentional overhead because I feel like sometimes I fall into the trap of like, well, I don't need that and it costs money. Like I have a home office that's free theoretically. So why would mm -hmm. I go spend like commercial rent is expensive, but like there's there's definite upsides too. Yeah, I mean, I the the mill place that we had was like dumb and expensive. Yeah, like like you saw the space and you heard what I was paying, you'd be like, "That's stupid," you know. Yeah. Um, now it's it's a it's a lot more expensive, but you know we split it, so it's not so much like Taylor uh, takes part of it. My company that I own with my buddy Aaron takes another part, and then I have like personally because I use this space. It's fair for me to pay a little bit more. Yeah, but you know I basically pay less than a third of what it costs. Yeah, and but I have access to the whole thing. You know. Well, and I feel like that's one of those like I don't know. I don't know what it is, and I don't. I don't want to give you any pressure to say. But like when I've looked into those things, it's like if you had like even if it is a three or five or eight thousand dollar a month space, but you you split it three ways and you're like doing mm -hmm. okay revenue as a business, it's really not crazy. If you're like one yeah. person trying to float a couple grand a month, it's like slightly annoying if you're not doing that much volume. But like, I mean, I'll tell you exactly what it was. I mean, so my first office that I had was there's a, a stage that my buddy Justin ran and he had a really small office, but it was a, a full like 5,000 square foot stage. And he needed some help with like, just if someone came in and he couldn't be there because he lived like 40 minutes away. So I paid like 150, maybe 200 bucks a month for that. And then I moved to the mill and I had a, a 500 square foot office that was 400 a month all in. 
uh, minus uh, internet, which was because it was out in the middle of nowhere, it was kind of expensive. It was like two hundred and fifty bucks a month for not even like gig. Like yeah. it was bad. Then I moved into the big room, which was twelve hundred square feet, but it was only seven fifty a month. And but internet was like three hundred dollars a month. But it was one of the few places in the mill that had heating and air, which I split with the guy that owned the mill because his uh, office was on the other side. That was probably another two hundred months. So all in, it was only like twelve hundred bucks a month. Yeah. And then now here, I think we're we pay twenty three hundred dollars a month, but we have gig that's only like one hundred and fifty bucks. Like our internet cost is half what it was before, and it's like nine times as fast. And I pay five hundred. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. You know, so it's it's really economical. But if I needed to work from home, I, I could. I have plenty of space. I just don't want to. Yeah. I like getting up and going somewhere. It helps me be more productive. Yeah. No, and I mean, that's not – none of that's crazy. That's where, like, I've just – I've seen a few places that I've looked at that are, like, you around here at least, I feel like you quickly get into that, like, couple thousand dollar a month world. And that's where it's, mm-hmm. like – I don't know. I would love to, with like challenger stuff in the in, over the course of the next year, like move towards having a little more collaboration. Having like, I don't know. I don't. I have mixed feelings on like. Part of me would really like to have like a full time editor, but part of me would also really like to have a consistently busy freelance editor who I give a bay in our space. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like that's sort of, I don't know if you and Taylor work together, but it seems like that's sort of like some of what you guys have going on where it's like different people who just do stuff in the space, which is nice. I, I, I mean, Taylor and I work on and off, you know, if he needs something, but you know, he, his, his, um, the work that he does doesn't really need me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he's strictly post. So like for him to do color, like, you know, he's charging a lot yeah. to do it and the stuff really doesn't need it. Who's that son of a bitch? Dude, Clinton just walked in <laughs> looking straight out of the ASC clubhouse. Can you put headphones on with that hat on? Oh, dude, yeah. Can't take the hat off. Are you kidding me? Well, good Made luck. Work. You're going to be dealing with those headphones the whole time uh, then. Fine. <laughs> God dang it. You got the luscious locks, though. How's it going, dude? Going good. We're trying to figure out uh, on this uh, thing. How do you uh, change the, the window sizing? There should be because you guys are very skinny. Yeah, in the top right, there should be a minimize or expand frame button, like inside the frame. Because I did that. I expanded yours. At one what, point. what is this technology? I, know. I don't know. There it is. Boom. Got it. Well, Much normally better. I've oh, never had to put. So good. I've never had to put two people in this before. But Quentin doesn't have a computer anymore. Apparently, so he's here. No, it's just uh, I had to use like. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, could you do that? I love this ASMR uh, eating. I had to color in um, and use someone else's raid, so I took my system out. Uh, is it? I feel like it would be easier to move the raid than it's to move your system. The whole thing. I don't know. I just did. It. I just do what I'm told. Do you see what I got over there? Ironically, their raid doesn't work, and I've been on the like trying to get a hold of OWC support, and it sucks. Wow! Excellent. I got the second one. <laughs> Did you see my story? Oh, you story? got two of them? Well, no, one of them broke. It came yeah, in yeah, cracked yeah, yeah, in half. So they replaced it. So I got my second LG OLED delivered this morning. And I, yeah. huh? Do you have more of that? I can. Or you can have this one if you want. No, no, I don't have, if, I don't no, have mono. COVID. <laughs> but uh, that's, yeah, that's been an interesting excursion. I ordered like a, a HyperDeck 
Studio. Is that what it's called? What did you say oh, you have, John? A deck link? I have the Ultra Studio. Ultra, oh, Ultra Studio. Studio. That's what it is. Okay. So I was trying Ultra to understand. Ultra Studio 4K. I was trying to understand the difference. And you guys, I'm, I'm glad that I have you here because you guys are wizards at this stuff. What's the difference between the deck link and the Ultra <laughs> Studio? I don't even know. Uh, good question. Uh, one is called the deck link, <laughs> and the other one is called the Ultra Studio. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. And they do different things um, <laughs> than each other, I think. And so one suited for one purpose and the other one suited for a different one. Perfect. Yeah. Yep. But, yeah. But the That's two, about all I know. <laughs> the two colorists use them for the same thing and they both work, but no one knows how. All I, I, I mean, I, I have the old school Ultra Studio 4K. It's the full rack one. Oh, right. Since I have a, a desk with racks, it's just made sense. And so uh, I don't do a lot of um, input stuff. It's all just output and it has sdi and hdmi so i'm like cool that's that's what it does and i've had it for years yeah it's just never needed upgrade yeah i have like the the what's it the, called the pcie yeah one it's in a big big mm-hmm. housing yeah i just have it in a housing but i i like the housing anyways because then i can i just get more um inputs and outputs out of it and stuff so nice yeah. yeah i'm excited to have that thing it's crazy like it's crazy to me that world of monitors and, like, one, it's crazy to me how cheap these things have gotten because I feel like they used to be such a big deal. And now it's, like, a 1000 bucks for a 55-inch display. And then I was, mm-hmm. like, I didn't really think through the whole uh, Ultra Studio thing, whatever, which is, like, another 1000 bucks. And then I got – someone told me to get the – I forget what they call it. It's, like, the maintenance remote or something. Oh, There's yeah. something oh about yeah, yeah. I have that. The, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I didn't up until, like, last week uh, we have – Taylor has one. I have one. There's another one in the other room. And there is this one feature that it would just, if you weren't using it, it would dim down. And then the you, know, you press play and someone come. Yeah, it was yeah, yeah. super annoying. Taylor busts in the other day and goes, I'm going to fix it. I was like, fix what? Why are you just bursting into my <laughs> office? And he goes, check this out. Maintenance remote. Bam, bam, bam. No more. And I was like, thanks, man. Yeah. <laughs> he was so excited about it. That's awesome. Um, and now it doesn't dim. And I haven't really noticed the difference other than the five minutes i walk away and come in so. yeah yeah but it was worth it but, for the five dollar remote i, I well, think he's if just, you were his doing as hdr a, as an actual thing i think if you oh, were yeah. doing hdr not that you should fully with these but if you were doing hdr i think sometimes like mid grading you would see the auto dimming i did hear see. someone say that there was hdr reasons to have that remote i didn't get into what they were but maybe that's what it is yeah but you won't use it for HDR. I probably won't. He, he uses his strictly for editing. He doesn't use it as like a reference monitor like I do. Yeah. And so like it would constantly, like he'd be watching something that would dim down and up for whatever reason. His would do it a, a lot more, um, probably because it's coming from the computer. So it's just like different thing. So he, it like drove him nuts. Yeah. And, you know, I haven't seen a, a, a big problem with it, but I only grade in SDR because no one's paying me to grade HDR and I don't want to. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've messed around with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the delivery of it is still just not fluid enough that I don't think anyone's going to ask for it for another year or so. Well, well see. I mean, you know, from a commercial standpoint, I mean, what, no commercials being finished in HDR, Yeah. you know? And I mean, I work mostly in commercials and I do the odd feature here and there grading wise. And if I were to shoot another feature, like, someone be like oh we're gonna do hdr i'm gonna go okay like, yeah sounds good like i just have no desire yeah. to to really get into it from a technical standpoint yeah see I, i'm really excited to get into it um 
not for a brightness standpoint, but just because I just want to move to uh, deliveries that are like 12 bit and with bigger color space and, and stuff. But the really bright stuff, like I tried to mess with something and did it like, you know, trying to use the full value of, of brightness. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was kind of annoying to watch, honestly. <laughs> it got yeah. too bright, but I'm excited. Yeah. To move I mean, to you make a good point space. with the with just the the information that's there for sure. Yeah, like neons but, and stuff. I think will look better. Yeah, I uh, I just I, I kind of fight with myself because I still do color work and I think it's great and I, I like it, but like it's not what I want to be doing long term. So I kind of I think subconsciously decide like. Uh, that's a new thing. Yeah, I'm not really going to get into that. <laughs> yeah. So eventually, I'm gonna eventually I'm gonna like push myself out. Someone's gonna be like, "Oh, you do this standard thing." I was like, "Nah, I don't know anything about it, man." Sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like better you start shooting. Yeah. So. <laughs> Intentionally making yourself obsolete. You're like phasing yeah, yourself exactly. out of color world. Hey, that totally makes sense. Exactly. I mean, I like doing color work, and it, and it provides good relationships, and and I've turned those into shooting jobs and, and good relationships and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, like you know, it's, I want to be a DP. So when it comes to color, like I never even like my new website is not going to have color at all. And there will be no color, you know, John Carrington colors out there at all. Mm. Um, and I haven't even updated the page in forever. So I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm just gonna like double down on the shooting stuff. And it's been picking up a lot the past <laughs> few years. So it's been good. I was joking to Evan. I was like, I was like doing this and talking about colors. is just going to be bad for both of our brands here. We're, we're, <laughs> yeah. we're like, we're, we're like hide, tried to hide this aspect of our, yeah. our lives. And then, uh, you're well, just gonna talk so I'm curious about, about that though, because it's like, I feel like that's something that's like, I, I've never really gotten into color. I've been like, I've played around in resolve. I've done a lot of doing color passes on client stuff inside like premiere and things. But why, why did you guys decide to go so deep down the color rabbit hole? If the long-term goal is not color. <laughs> um, I, I, I'll go first, I guess. Um, I think it was out of necessity because I kept getting stuff colored really, really bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would finish a project and then we, the joke was just always that color is where it goes to die. And, um, I got really sick of that. And then I also really like, um, you know, like I, I play guitar and like pedal boards and those things. And something about when I got into Da Vinci, the node structure and those things, it, it you know, I know you you're probably the same way. It just feels very natural. Um, the way things work and stack and interact with each other that I got pretty good at it pretty fast. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just, I, I, it was more like I, I, my projects couldn't afford to get colored well. Um, and so then I just decided I was going to take it into my own hands because I was tired of everything coming back terrible. Uh, same thing for them in general, except for I was, uh, much more of a generalist, um, coming up and stuff like that. So I didn't even like, I had never up until the past, probably like four years, I'd never had anyone else color my stuff. So I didn't have that, like, Oh, that's where it goes to die. Oh, it came back. It's so bad or something like that. It really was just like, I wanted my stuff to look good. Yeah. And there was no one else that I knew that could do anything about it. <laughs> so I, you know, back in uh, Alpha Pro 7, they had the color um, program in it and stuff like that. I was like, oh, cool. I can 
move stuff around and make it look better. And so I just started doing that. And then one day a friend of mine was like, Hey, I have this project. Can you make it look good? Like you make your stuff look good. It didn't look good, but he thought it did. (laughs) And so I was like, sure. And then that just kind of kept happening. Yeah. Um, but I also didn't really know that like, you didn't do that. Like, I didn't know that like, Oh, a DP shoots something. Then it goes off the edit. Then it goes off the color. I was like, Oh, this person does everything. Mm-hmm. And this is back. Like when Solomon, uh, Lichtelm was like blown up and he did everything. And I was like, man, fuck that guy. He's so good at sound design <laughs> and this and this, and you know, like, and so I was looking at guys like that and I was like, Oh, I need to do everything. Yeah. And, and I didn't really realize it was a team sport till like way later, you know? And so I just kept one of my stuff to look good. So I colored it. You know? Yeah, I feel like that's one of those things though, where it's like it is a team sport, but it's also valuable to know your stuff. You know, it's like John Mayer has guitar techs, but he still knows all the ins and outs of a lot of what he's doing. And so I feel like it's a good skill to learn. It's funny because I feel like I'm in the middle a little bit where it was like I just started out doing everything because that was what I saw people doing. And then I got excited when I did a few things that were like going to named color houses and they came back and I was so disappointed that I was like color doesn't matter actually I'd rather just like do it myself and have it be really simple but apparently these guys getting paid a ton of money to mess around and resolve Mm -hmm. just make it look worse so I don't know what that is and so I was just like "Ah, I'll just stay inside Lumetri and whatever and like it looks good enough for me um but I but but here's the thing sorry not to interrupt but like people talk about like oh color came back and it was terrible like a lot of times it's not the colors it's the vision Mm -hmm. like they're not told anything i don't get roped into color conversations hardly ever on commercial stuff you know unless i'm doing it or i have like a really strong say on who we want to go to or whatever but a lot of times like they don't get a lot of information and they definitely don't get it from the DP. They get it from like the agency mm-hmm. and like, what does the agency know about color? So you get it back and it's bad. Like, you know, company three is good. The mill yeah. is good. They do phenomenal <laughs> work. And you wonder is like, well, why, why did they crush this project? And it looks amazing, but like mine falls short as like, well, it's, it has everything to do with vision and like what, how they're set up. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just no, think it's that's... funny when, when we talk about like, oh, color came back and it was terrible. And it's like, oh, yeah, colorists suck. And it's like, well, I mean, I've definitely gotten stuff and I'll do a pass and think this looks pretty good. And they come back and it's like, no, yeah, it needs to be this other thing. You're like, really? Like, that's that's OK. That's what you're paying me to do. Let's let's do that then. But like, I, think, <laughs> I think I agree. But that's one of the reasons that like for me, as I was working on a lot of this, like smaller budget agency production company that maybe didn't have the same taste as me stuff is like I felt like I would at least for lack of a better way of putting it, do a better job of standing up to them about what I thought mm-hmm. the vision was than it felt like some of these other entities were that it does feel like oh well the client told us to do this and i was like i don't care i'll tell them why i disagree and it felt like some of these places would like get their couple thousand bucks to do a color pass do whatever they're told to do and then ship it regardless of how anyone feels about it and i think that was disappointing for me but i totally get that yeah i mean you can only make it as good as someone will let you but it always Mm. surprises me that some of those places that have a reputation don't i don't know have firmer quality control sometimes where because there's stuff that's like oh it's just a vision thing and there's some stuff that i've seen come back that you're just like that just looks like objectively bad like mm-hmm. 
And I, and I think there's a difference there sometimes, but I don't know. I mean, I guess if you want to just get the check to clear, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think both, both are true. You know, why, why put 50 extra hours into something that you're only getting paid 10 hours to do? Right. You know, and mm-hmm. it's like, all right, well, that's what you want. As long as you're happy or it clears what you consider being of quality, you know? Yeah. How do you guys decide what to take on for color projects now and like what to ship out? Uh, Am I, do I have time to fill? That's, that's literally it. Like I got a email yesterday. Hey, are you available Thursday or Friday? I'm shooting on Thursday. I was like, I can do it Friday. I mean, why I color for me is, is an income generator. It's, it's something that I can fill my time with when I'm not on set, I can make money and be busy. And it helps in other ways, like with relationships and things like that, like I said earlier, but it's like, if I'm free, I want to be doing something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say it's the same for me. It's just, um, do I have the time and how flexible are they willing to be? You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I also, I need to see the project beforehand to know that, you know, uh, I'm not jumping into something that's just going to be a nightmare. What so, about your own stuff? Um, my own stuff. Uh, I, I try to color as much as I can of it, but sometimes, you know, it does like, like you said, uh, just for saying like there was a project I just did a little while ago that went out to a, a post house and came back looking like a sci-fi film or something. It was like so bizarre and to- totally opposite of what we shot. But the agency, like, or creative director wanted to, like, inject the brand colors, like, into the film, into the commercial. It was Sick. bizarre. Genius. So, you know, so, like, I, yeah. I, I, you know, I feel like the same <laughs> that you're saying, John, where it's, like, the only way that you're going to get an input on the color is if you're doing it, at least where I'm at right now. So I do mm-hmm. like to color my own stuff. And I always, I always throw it out there and, and offer um, if it's not going to, to someone trusted and, and good, you know, I, I, I would love if all my stuff was colored at company three and in the mill and those, by those guys. But, um, yeah, no, I, it's kind of a time thing for me. And, and if, if the project's going to be going to be a nightmare or not. Right. Well, that makes sense what you were saying too. It's like, cause you definitely hear a lot of DPs who are like, oh, we don't get to like sit in on color anymore and it's like well if you are the colorist you do <laughs> it's sort of the <laughs> sneaky way to get around that sometimes there's honestly sometimes projects where i get done shooting them and i'm like i don't want to color this one <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, i can only blame myself <laughs> yeah i mean that's really really true and i'm actually a little bit on the opposite i would rather it go somewhere else like in general because i've had to fight this and quinn i don't know if you've had the same experience because uh, when i kind of first heard about you as as a DP, not as a colorist. I heard that you did color later. I was like, oh, that's cool. He does color Mm -hmm. as well. I got really like, John's a colorist. Like I did the music bed make doc. I worked with my buddy Kale on stuff. Like I did all these things that, that kind of came out. It's like John Carrington's a great colorist or, you know, you should go to John for color. And I started being like, I'm only getting called for color. And I had to like, I had to fight back and like, be like, well, you know, I really want to DP. That's really what I want to do. Here's some of my stuff. And I had to really build that separately where like it used to be income was color shooting. And then over the last three years I've had to, you know, and it's worked really well as I stopped talking about color. So for me, I really am like, 
hey, if like there's no good option, I'm down to do it and I'm happy to. But like if I can make some recommendations or, you know, you guys just kind of handle it a lot of times, like I'm more than happy to do that because I see a lot of value in letting fresh eyes hit a project because I definitely get like stuck on things where I'm just like, I don't like that. Like I'm going to fix it when someone else might've let it play and it'd be Mm -hmm. like, okay. You know, like I I like kind of being surprised with like someone's interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, Especially when it's, they're really good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I do like that. I like, I like seeing someone else's uh, take on something that you've, that you've shot. That's really cool. I mean, for me, like a lot of stuff actually that I wouldn't get paid for um, or wouldn't get paid well is the stuff that I shot. And sometimes it's out of a, out of a budget thing. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just like, I would rather just color this and like, we'll figure out the numbers later or whatnot. But I would rather if I shoot something, it just looks good than, you know. Oh, we didn't have the mm-hmm. budget to send it to company three. So it's just going to get a lot. You right. know? And I do that all the time. Like a hundred percent, I would do that. But also I think there's a, uh, I don't want my work to be homogenized. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be, I shot it. I graded it. This is what it looks like because I like being, um, versatile. I mm-hmm. like being able to do high bright. I like being able to do dark and moody. I like, I love shooting all different types of styles and stuff like that. And I just feel like if I touched everything, there'd be like this thread of, it's all me and mm-hmm. I would much rather get a little more variety in my work in terms of the palette and stuff like that. And hopefully it's good. Sometimes it's not, but sometimes it's this really bright, crisp commercial, which is not something I do really well right. personally, like especially in color. I, I feel like I can shoot it well, but I can't grade it super well because I want to print everything down. Yep. So when it comes back and it's like super clean and it's like, man, this has no style. Great. People are going to love that and hire. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, I feel like that was photo editing sometimes where I'm like, man, I just like, I can't not make things look sort of filmy. It's like, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this thing about, I heard originally about like guitar amps and pedal boards that was like, the problem is no matter what you you get, you're always going to make it sound the way you like, that you sort of always spin the knobs just to your taste. Mm-hmm. And I feel that way whenever <clears throat> I get into photo editing that like, I have to try so hard to be like, oh, let's do this like bright, saturated. Like I see that stuff and I'm like, oh, it looks incredible. And then I find myself in Lightroom and it like requires so much active effort to get it there. I'm like, I just want to hand this stuff to someone who's really good at it. Cause I know these photos could do it. I just don't do it well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. Um, so I was curious, another thing, like your guys sort of expectations versus reality going from, you know, I think most of us started out in the world of like, lower level cameras and crazy LUTs and whatever else to like, okay, we're getting into like higher level stuff and Venice's and resolve. Um, you know, I think there's this idea that you fix everything in post, you can do so much in color. And I think in a lot of ways that's true, but also like, I don't know, we were talking about this last time I was at your house where it's like a lot of it is actually super, super, super subtle and it matters so much what you're getting in camera. And this idea that you see some of these big commercials and you're like, oh, it's just like really simple. And then they make it all sing in post, like isn't necessarily true. So I was just curious both of your perspectives on like the reality of how far you can get in color versus what you're gonna try and push on set. I can go first if okay. you want. Go <laughs> okay. for it. Go for uh, it. Yeah. No, I, I always feel like I talk too much, so <laughs> I try to be quiet. Um, I, I, th- I think uh, it, it, what you capture on set matters 
the most. Um, if you don't get it right, especially when you're being nuanced and stuff like that, there's only so much you can do afterwards. But I definitely will for time purposes, like if we're rushing or like we're up against there, there's another setup coming up. That's like really important. Maybe we're shooting like an inserty type thing and something's not right. I, I will make decisions like, okay, do I need to get a couple guys to go address that window in the back? Or let me check, you know, false color and stuff like that and know that it's going to be the easiest thing in the world to bring down on the back end, especially if I'm doing color, like if I know it ahead of time, I will, really pick my places on how picky I have to be based on the schedule. I'll always fight to do it right and well, uh, on the day and stuff like that. But sometimes, um, you know, it, things are moving really quick and it's like, ah, you know, like that would take 10 minutes to address or it'll take me 30 seconds in, in post. Or, you know, if I know where it's going for color, I know it'll take them 30 seconds and I can go on and like send a note on, um, if I needed to. So, um, I, I think it matters more what you do on the day, but, uh, knowing what you're able to do, especially on the easier side of things in post is really beneficial, especially for making your day and making sure that everything's, you know, on time. Yeah, I think it's a time. I think, I think you're right about the time thing. Um, but I think in general, like I, uh, I now, because I know what I would do in color or what would get fixed in color, I try as much as possible to do it on set now. It's just like I I now look – sometimes I'm looking at the monitor and thinking in like masks <laughs> like on set mm-hmm. to the point where now like in, in – um, uh, like I use a lot of ND grads now on set mm-hmm. in like areas where nice. it's just – yeah, because it's just like – you're just like, I would bring down this table right here. You know, like I would, you know, I'll, fl- I'll do an ND grad upside down or, or the sky up here. I know I'm going to do that. So like, I should just do it in camera, you know? And I just start to think like that a lot more. Um, you know, I even like map box wise, I now just, I do clip ons because I like to just be able to control where I have the ND grad. Like, you know, it's, you're uh, the only other person I, I, that who's mentioned that and I've been doing it like the last year and a half yeah and i'll do something like you know the window will be on the right side it's you know subjects on the left i'll be like i'll take that you know put it there and grab yeah. out that window and people are like that's a really good idea i was like yeah it's really like yeah it seems obvious to me but no one else has ever said that they do it so i yeah, think that's yeah. awesome no it's like weird you start to think and like what you, you start to see the image on the monitor on set how you would in your in your color suite you know what i mean you yeah. start to see things mm-hmm. a little differently and you're also just trying to get it as close as possible now on set because there is just something better about it, in my opinion, um, than if you, you know, there's always going to be like the vignette here and there and there's going to be those things. But when you try to like just re-light something, it's just no matter how good you are, it's just not, It's it doesn't have that same authentic feeling you know what i mean and then what happens when you have to do that across the whole sequence and then you're just all of a sudden host because you like relit a scene in post and it's like it's terrible you know so i now get very very stoked when um if there's something i shot at least i i bring it back in and there's like almost nothing needed you know it's like one Mm -hmm. point of you know color and it's just that for me and you know i think that that's what a lot of the the really really talented dps are are doing you know you hear about roger deacon's finishing 
a movie in like less than a week in color or you know like i was listening to this thing with walter volpato that was saying you know oh yeah this scene here in last jedi was one point of red and that's it you know what i mean like it's just mm-hmm. they're getting it at, they're they're just working at such a high level and doing it so well on set that you don't need to go crazy in color and they just are starting with just a really good really good contrast a really good starting point and that's really all they need and uh that's that's for me is now the goal is to make less work for myself in color yeah that makes sense how do you feel about yeah, the, and, um sorry you can go ahead john i was gonna say and i i would say like fixing things in the back end is the exception not the rule it's mm-hmm. it's just like really picking your your moments right. you know what i mean but uh actually quick question for you q um do you shoot with really contrasty like bold luts um yeah or I, try, do you, I will do something a little bit safer um i've i've now moved a little bit safer but i have a pull down in almost most stuff i i shoot you know um because then I know I can shoot a little bit darker and it's just going to help me out. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the inverse doesn't work, you know, as you know, mm-hmm. it's like if you shoot some kind of 709 type of curve and then try to throw on some, something crazy later, it just does not work well. <laughs> so, yeah. so I definitely I, I, do shoot with more of a film curve in, uh, yeah. in camera. Yeah, I definitely, like, I tell directors, especially if it's our first time working, I'm like, hey, just so you know, like, I shoot a really contrasty, I usually pull down at least half a stop, if not a full stop. Mm-hmm. And it, my goal is to make it look like a, a finished image, mm-hmm. like, on the day, for the exact reason of when it gets to post, you put the LUT on, sweet. Like, it's yep. pretty much pretty much there. But, um, you know, every once in a while, I, w- I will have to shoot 709 for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I'm always just like, uh, okay. oh, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> and that's when I'm like really relying <laughs> on false color and stuff like that. And a lot of times, like just on my onboard, I'll, I'll throw on a little something yeah, just to make sure that it's like tightening up the way I want. Yeah. I, I don't realize sometimes like how, uh, punchy some of the other stuff I I'll use is. Cause then like, if I go to seven Oh nine, sometimes I'll be like, this looks like log. Yeah. You know I mean, it's Dude, like, I've done yeah, the it looks same terrible. Thing. I've done that with, uh, so that, that eternal LUT I monitor with on most stuff. Cause I definitely also skew the way of like, have it be contrasty. I'm also the crazy person. That's like, I don't use, uh, peaking ever. I'm often pulling my own. I have often pulled my own focus on stuff. And like, I like just having a seven inch with a crunchy image on it. And like, I can pull off that. I can expose off of that. And like, I'll sometimes check false color, but I don't usually go too crazy with it. But then, yeah, when you go back to 709, you're like, this looks like garbage. Like, what is going on here? Just, I feel like my brain gets so recalibrated to that. Um, But it's nice because then you go in and it's like, oh, there is data here. You know, it's always a little bit on the safe side. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. No, I hear people doing it now and I'm like, what the heck? I'm just like, I don't know how. (laughs) I don't know how you do it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's like uh, the power of the dog. There was an interview. She's just like, oh, no, I just I just only use 709. I'm like, what? Yeah. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's that's good. I um I was curious not not to make this into like a uh, a LUT commercial, but just to get your guys thoughts partially on each other, because we were talking about this thing, you know, Q made these LUTs uh, originally for yourself, as far as I'm aware, and then we started using them on stuff. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I'm, I personally have never been trying to get into like the LUT selling game. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, I, I would make some LUTs for myself or for friends and, you know, uh, every once in a while I get paid to like make a show LUT for something. Um, and then, uh, I started kind of passing them on to you cause you started getting into the Sony world and I had already had a Venice. Um, so I was like, let's, let's start making these cameras better than the S709 yeah. that you're monitoring with. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think that you saw a little more value in like, Hey, I have, a, I have a platform that people really want to know more about, you know, let's for, for these cameras. So, uh, it kind of snowballed from there, but I'm not, uh, I wouldn't say I'm sitting there, uh, tweaking LUTs to try and try yeah. and sell. <laughs> it's just, if there's one that's really usable that I enjoy, uh, and that you enjoy, then, you know, maybe I'll, I'll pass it around to some friends and stuff. But. Yeah, no, totally. And that's where like, I think the Kodachrome one was the first one that you sent me and I started using it to monitor a ton of stuff and then started just like to what we're saying, like throwing it on stuff and be like, it's good. Let's just ship it. And so we were using it on a lot of projects. Um, and then I think the Eterna one was the next one that was a little bit crunchier. And I use that on like 90% of stuff now. Um, but I think what I just appreciated and part of the reason that I was like, we should put these out there into the world is like I had used the Phantom LUTs and the Buttery LUTs and the S-Log, uh, the Sony S709 stuff. And like just none of it really felt good. Um, and so like this was the first stuff I, that just felt like it didn't break down either. Like so many of those LUTs I feel like that people sell, whether it's like the uh, – what's the stupid big, oh, Lutify me and whatever. Like they're just either way too wacky or they're like a slightly tweaked version of 709 that doesn't actually feel mm -hmm. decent. And I think that's one of the things that's like cool about the stuff you've been making is like it's very usable, but also still like stylized. And that was something that we were talking about though is like, so John, I'd be curious your thoughts because we were talking about renaming them because uh, you had originally <laughs> named them off film stocks and realized that created yeah. some s issues. I, I didn't like that because I, at the moment that somebody does does get a lot, you know, then they were like, uh, uh, what, where did you get this off of and where did you do this? Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's like, uh, well, you know, it started as, it started as X, Y, and Z, and then I tweaked it to hell and then shot with it for two months and tweaked it more and then shot with it more and asked other people and tweaked it more. And it's like, it's so, um, so I didn't like the idea of saying, you know, for instance, like uh, Kodachrome, you know, and somebody wants to view this as a film stock. It's just, it's so, it's kind of so far from from the, from that now that uh you know i don't i don't really want to deal with the people asking questions of like you know what is this film stock from and where did you know what did you shoot it and how did you make it? it's just kind of like they're not designed to be like true emulations yeah to me it's not it's not like that it's it's you know these are some of the awesome things it's like there's so many two three eight three lots out there you know it's like well, they all look different but it's kind of what are we're kind of capturing the the things that i'm personally capturing some of the things I like about uh, certain film curves or what they do to certain colors. And it's very broad. It's more broad to me. And then I kind of go from there and, and tweak and make it more, more usable. But yeah, that's why I, I that's why I personally was like, these shouldn't be named this, you know, let's just, you know, I don't want to do the, like, uh, you know, let find me like Celeste oh, yeah. like they're just like throw like words right. together and that make no sense. But um, you know, I was just, in the, the moment you put out a, a five, two, one, nine lot, you know what I mean? It's like, people are like, 
you know, I want to see your, I want to see your test charts. Yeah, where, <laughs> like, where do you get your scans done? Yeah, yeah. It's just kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> nah. Nah, man. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. This is like, this is so much stuff smashed together. And then I just out of convenience called it this, but it's, it started there. Yeah. It is hard to name things like that because it's like at least the film stocks give you some sort of reference point because it's like you want it to be like memorable and something you can say, right? That's like, oh, are we using this one or that one? But then you get into, yeah, like the Letify thing that's like a million gemstones that all start with the same letter. And you're like, well, this is not a helpful naming convention either. Yeah. Yeah. What uh, I'm curious, John, like do you have custom stuff that you're using a lot of the time or do you have any of sort of the like commercially what's the big the linny lut isn't that one of the big like ones out there like do you use any of that mainstream that's the stuff? expensive one yeah <laughs> the expensive it's one super, that, it's like six hundred dollars or something like that the expensive one that often breaks the blue channel a lot <laughs> uh often almost every time yeah i've but, i've played with them and i've just been like how do people use these like yeah they're in I, my opinion, I don't think I have super used. I have used it on a project on a on a project with film, and it looked really really nice. And a lot of their stuff mm. that they'll post on Instagram will be like uh, shot on film, and they get away with it because it's kind of like the image is already kind of like a little little broken and a little funky. And then you throw that, yeah. and it's like a really cool vibe. But you know, you try and put that on a yeah. commercial project, often it's gonna just like break anything blue. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I have lots of stuff that I've made over the years. Um, especially when I, so the first like cinema camera I owned was a Ursa mini 4.6 K and then I got like an Ursa mini pro and then I moved to the Alexa, but there is a, especially like, it was so tough to get what I wanted out of it. Like it's a good camera, especially for the price, like especially for someone who, you know, didn't have a lot of money and needed something. But I would like go in and just like shoot tests all the time or take projects in and grade it and say, cool, I'm going to make sure I don't have anything in here that wouldn't translate to a lot. Mm. And I built like, you know, five or six like pretty good Ursa LUTs that I felt like would get me to where I wanted to go. Um, and then when I got the mini, I just kind of kept that going. Um, and obviously I've collected tons and, you know, DPs buy, buy, buy one, trade it you know, make one, Oh, I got this one from company three. They made it for me, you know, stuff. So like you kind of get a, a good collection of things going, but like, I still haven't found one that's like, yeah, this is what I use for everything. Yeah. I, I would say the best LUT out there, a uh, LUT pack to buy that is like, to me, like really contrasty, really like movie looking is the Koji stuff. Mm. Um, K O J I like that, that luck pack is, I think, I've used more than anything else by a long shot. Yeah. And I definitely, like, have based a lot of what I've made off of that. And, you know, it's almost too contrasty. Like, you put it on, and if, to get a good enough de shadow detail, it looks like the highlights are blown, but then you check false color and you're good. And then when you get in the grid, all you do is just, you know, bring down that the highlight a little bit, and you're like, gold yeah um i, I really like, like those and isn't that what we were using for a while and then you made like a modified version of their like 2383 back when we had the area that was a it was a modified koji 2383 yeah that was like mm -hmm. i think that was the let the like 90 percent of the amira stuff i shot was yeah. using your modified version of that mm -hmm. yeah i took it to 80 percent, and that was my monitoring lot for a long time it's just the, the 2383 at 80 percent opacity 
put it into the mini and that's what I did. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there's lots of times I'll, I would have done the, the hundred percent too, just depending on like, if it was a night scene, I wanted to make sure that like I was getting detail. I didn't want to, you know, lessen that contrast. Yeah. What are you guys doing on set? Like, um, I guess, so sort of the question that I'm thinking about is like, how data and technical driven are you both on set and in post and how much of it is like, I would classify myself as very like, I'll go like flip to my false color real quick and like see whatever I see. And I, it feels very intuitive to me. And then, you know, coming to post, it's the same way, but I know some people are like looking at scopes and looking at IRE values and, you know, wanting to have a totally perfect reference monitor on set. And I don't know, how do you guys feel about like the technical versus gut check? level of this stuff um i i think it's uh uh, i think it now becomes a lot more gut there's not much the most technical is like you know doing a quick metering or you know a false color you know it's not like i I don't live on false color on the monitor personally i just kind of i'll give it a check and you know where it's more just checking for your highs and you know, that's, that's really it. It's more of a gut thing for me. Yeah. What Same. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll check false just to like, you know, mainly for highlights. Like if there's a window, it's like, you know, because I shoot with really contrasty lots, sometimes it's hard to tell like what exactly is there. So I'll just look in and say, Oh, we're not even hitting yellow. Awesome. Like yeah. I know that there's, there's plenty. Yeah. But, um, I, I will say one thing that's been interesting. I've shot a lot of Venice the last like seven, eight months. Um, and I really love it. Like Venice two is probably my next purchase unless area does something real crazy here in a week or whatever. <laughs> um, um, but the, the Venice, it is different coming from the Alexa because the Alexa, I would like see things and go, okay, yeah, that's, that's good. Like, awesome and i would check false color and you know i'd get in post and be like all right yeah that is what i expected the venice like the false color on it is terrible in terms of like telling you what exactly is going on (laughs) it's it's it like i just learned to trust like it really is what you see is what you get like i'm looking at it and if i'm worried about something it's like well just look at it do you do you have something there because i i would be like man i think i'm i think it might be too dark and you know, um, I'll go in and I'll say, you know, I'm just going to let it, let it go. And I bring it in. I'm like, there's so much detail. Yeah. And I'm just like, um, why was I worried <laughs> about yeah. that? Like I've learned to trust it a lot more even than I did the, the mini, you know, I and I still that. love shooting with the mini, but I just think the Venice just kind of is more there. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, it's weird. I feel that way. I don't know. Specifically, I feel that way about the like low exposure sh- shadow side of things where like, I remember, uh, some of like the core stuff we did back in the day, I remember on the Amira being like, oh yeah, like this looks good on the monitor in like a really dark situation. And then I would get back to the grade and be like, there's fucking nothing there. Like for some reason it looked yeah. like there was something there and there isn't. And I feel like I don't get that with the Sony stuff as much where it's like, if it looks decent, it's decent. Yeah. And if it's gone, it's gone. But there was a weird thing where in some of that like RE low level stuff, and maybe it was the monitor I was using or whatever, but it like felt like you could sh- see into the shadows in a way that wasn't actual data. And I don't understand that really. Yeah. I, I personally feel like that with, I feel like the Venice has that over the over the area i, I mean I, I also was never really shooting area raw so maybe that would have made a I never big shoot difference raw. i don't know but 
I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, the I mean, I, I, I've had so the good. mini. I've had the mini. I've I've like tested raw. I've done it on a couple projects, and then I'm just like, man, that data hit is real. Yeah. And then I shoot mostly in in quad four every once in a while. XQ. And I just don't really see a big difference. I will say the weirdest thing about it is there's a motion difference. It's not a it's not a detailed difference like in, in terms of like the actual motion of the of the image. That's the biggest difference I see between Airy Raw mm. and ProRes. Huh. And I would say like it feels more like film. Interesting. To me. That is interesting. Um, because I have a four thirty five um that I love to shoot with and just I'll I definitely shot tests or a project I'll bring it in and I'll put digital up next to it and there's just like this motion feeling like the way the blur is the way the image like actually is that in the 435 that just is not in the Alexa but then I shot some airy raw and I looked at it and it was way closer the film still had it beat but it's just there's something about the idea that every shot is an image like mm. because air rods like you can go in there and like look at the dngs you know it's just every every frame is an actual frame and i think that does a little bit of something versus like the interpolation of you know prores and the compression and stuff like that but from a contrast and color and everything i really haven't noticed a difference yeah no i'm i'm a huge sony sony fanboy you know we had the we both had an amira and uh you know i tried out the venice and bought it that week yeah it was it was that it was that shocking because i was like i was it was the first time money (laughs) it was the first time in a while that i was like excited about like an image on set like just really excited about what i was getting and i was just like i I need this camera this is like getting me excited to shoot yeah yeah i feel like coming from uh coming from you know i had a a t3i and then a 60 and a c100 and a red scarlet w and then the amira i love the amira i really do think it's still such a great camera and i hated everything sony through all of that like original a7s fs7 the fs5 like just and even um the f55 even was like wow yeah vinegar hill had an f55 and i didn't love that I don't know that I ever actually shot on that, but oh, I just but remember... Mike loved that F55. Yeah, I know he Mike did. Mike would tell me all about it. <laughs> but it was funny because I remember the first Vinegar Hill thing I did, I brought the Amira, and right after that, they were like, we have to sell the F55 and get an Amira. Like, it's just not even close. But yeah, it was funny. I remember the turning point for me was seeing that Khalid got Venices, like sold his minis and got Venices. I was like, oh, it ha- Sony has to have figured something out. But then they do seem to have carried it downstream really well, which I was honestly surprised by. Like I was super on the fence about the FX9 and the A7S3, and then having got them and shot with them, and even the FX6, and even this little A7 IV now, it's like whatever they did, like all the R&D money that I feel like they put into the Venice sensor and color, they seem to have quickly rolled out downstream too in a way that all those cameras feel really good to me, even compared to like the new C100 Mark III or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah. And they're all very, very close. Like we've done stuff using like the FX six as a B cam, and it's it's almost disappointing how close yeah, they look. Yeah, no, I don't, <laughs> don't 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 tell people that. It's true. Though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. but yeah. there's definitely. I mean, there's Kodak stuff, and like yeah. there's there's a lot of things the Venice does that an FX six can't. Yeah, it's the usability on 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 a on a larger set. You know, you just can't 
Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's not the same thing, yeah. but it's just like when you're using them together as a B cam, yeah. it is surprising, like for being a 10% as expensive camera, how close certain things can get. If you were both going to point them at some crazy high contrast thing and then grade them down, the FX6 would fall apart really quickly. But in like a controlled scenario, they, they seem to have gotten the sensors shockingly close. Yeah. Well, and with the Venice, it's not just about the sensor. It's just the usability. Like, right. If Aerie doesn't come out with single-stop NDs up to eight or more, like that right there saves so much time and flexibility, and it really frees me up to like play and say, oh, hey, what, what would this look like just to stop down? Oh, what if I had a little bit more? You know, like I can kind of just play around a little bit more, and maybe there's a happy accident where it's like, oh, I wouldn't have naturally done this, but like because it's so easy – I can see those options so fast. And the 2500 ISO is insane. Yeah. I used it for the first, I've always shied away for it, but uh, I used it for the first time last week. We were at a, a racetrack that had zero power. And so I had, we had like a couple 18 Ks and stuff. And I just was really curious. I like, I, I was lighting for 500, but I was like, I wonder what it would be like if I, if I put it to 25 and I was getting this just, detail that i wasn't getting before like i would have been fine shooting it at five but just seeing how much it opened up i was like maybe i do this and i just kind of split the difference a little bit on the nds you know i i I had probably like a 0.6 in versus if i was at five it would be you know full full uh full clear and it's just i was like man this this looks really really cool and then it was noiseless and i was just like that's stupid yeah that's just dumb oh, like yeah. that that's not fair no yeah <laughs> you, 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 you like genuinely gain like if the whole thing is time is money like you gain time of shooting too with it you know yeah. like uh, i can shoot an extra 45 minutes hour with the venice i can go to yeah. 25 every 10 minutes you're just flipping an nd and you just you, yep. you get so much more that like i you couldn't even begin to you, the day would be wrapped cameras would be <laughs> gone with the mm-hmm. area by the time i'm still shooting with with the venice you know? right it is crazy i forget what i did i don't know if it was it might have been the um vinegar hill thing it might have been the the doc i was working on with david but i went back to an amira and they have a uh, cook s4 minis that are two eights and the combination of like big ND jumps and already being at a 2.8 is so annoying where you're like, oh, I want to like split this stop and now I'm at a four that I didn't want to be at. And like, I feel like it's, I've gotten so spoiled. I was talking to someone recently about this actually, where they were talking about like the Amira versus the FX9 for dock stuff. And I was like, honestly, the built-in very ND, the dual ISO to 4,000 and like being able to half the time shoot with like one four stills glass for a lot of dock stuff it's just faster and more i don't want to say controllable but even like that whole thing of being able to select exactly where you are stop wise and just like account for it with the very nd is so nice compared to like the giant jumps and low isos of like the amira and stuff and the venice i mean that is yeah. totally one of the big things going back to it that it's like having those one stop nds is as silly as it sounds a game changer because otherwise you you have an ac coming in and you're dropping point threes all the time and like every mm-hmm. few shots that ends up adding up in a lot of time over the day yeah i'm excited to see what area comes out though this next week mm-hmm. it's been talked about for so long i'm just like come on just give it to us well it's crazy how long well, have you had the venice for now uh at least two two years because i remember years. when we sold the amira three years probably 
I think it was three years because it was when we sold the Amira and we were talking about like, oh, we should sell this before Ari announces their new Super 35 <laughs> yeah. thing because it was like rumored way they back then. They were talking then. about it back then, yeah. Yeah, I was like, oh, it yeah. might get announced in January. We sold the Amira and like three years later, it's still not out. Yeah, we still sold that at a good time though. It's, oh, totally. Oh, it's, we did good. I, I, I hope Ari comes out with something because as much as I do, I'm like fanning over the Venice and it's great. I'm still like an Ari fanboy at heart and... You know, I think there's something about their cameras, especially the simplicity, because the Venice still pisses me off on the menus. It's better than what it has been, but I remember I was trying to, like, what is it? Like, uh, outputs one and two only are a log yeah. image, but three and four can have the LUT, but then the frame lines weren't on three, but they were on four, but we needed them on both, and, like, it was just like, why, why can't I just... Yeah. done like yeah. you know like there's these sub menus there's and stuff. there's a few things that just will just piss you off yeah you're just like yeah come on you know so i hope Aerie does well and i i've also enjoyed shooting uh large format like it's cool but like it's not a deal breaker for me in terms of like oh the the next camera has to be large format yeah. and you know i think it's cool uh last week we shot black wings which is my first time shooting black wings on large format i've shot it on 35 and i've shot it on the mini before and it was really cool because like especially with their weird um uh focal lengths like 27 that is like oh okay now i'm finally seeing this as a like full-on 27 like it's a wide and yeah. i really en- enjoyed that aspect of it but um you know, I, I just I want Ari to be successful and keep doing dope things, and yeah. maybe they get my money there. I don't know. I agree. Maybe I get both. I don't know. I agree. I never would have guessed. I never would have <laughs> guessed that Sony would be like the player they are now, though. Like I feel like a few years ago it was like the Red and Ari battle, neck and neck and neck and neck and neck and neck and neck, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Sony comes up and just like munches so much of Red's lunch. Is I mean, the Komodo is still a big deal, but I feel like the Komodo is dope. The Komodo is sick. Two. Yeah. Like, but like I feel the, like the, especially their with all the big car cameras? stuff just putting it places, it's it's awesome. The big but the bigger ones, they need to focus on kind of that smaller form factor. Yeah. And there's not much to dislike about the Komodo, honestly. Like like I probably wouldn't use it as an A camera on most things, but like the fact that it's just so small and there's so much resolution, it's like I've put that thing in such weird places that would take so much longer with a larger camera. Yeah, it's it blows my mind and for how cheap it is. I'm just like I, that is a home run on their end, but it's not an A camera. Like to me, it's almost like an action camera. Yeah, you some know of the I mean? places you were getting cameras on one of those recent car things you did was just that that like so, wheel well mount where yeah. the the yeah. the water spray hits it and the mm-hmm. sun catches it. Yeah. Like it's so sick. Yeah. yeah, those are all Komodos. And and Sterner, uh, Jeff Sterner, my key grip, he's worked Ford versus Ferrari, uh, most of the Fast and Furiouses. Like, he is like a freaking wizard, and he's the dopest awesome. guy. So you're just he like, hey, I want the smaller. camera over here, and he's just oh, like, yeah. done. <laughs> yeah, it's him and the guy, and like, we'll, we'll be shooting other stuff. He'll be pre rigging. I'll come over and just check things, and then they go out. I mean, the only thing that the, the Komodo needs is internal NDs, and then it would be perfect for stuff because it is kind of tough to. Uh, on those rigs, like have a map box on. We've, yeah. we've lost many a filter. Have <laughs> you used that? Uh, what's it called? The Revolver or something? I've seen some people have that like built in lens mount. I want to get it. I want to get it. Uh, two things about it. One, they're like, I think they're back ordered forever or something uh, like that. Yeah. Like they're hard to get. And then two, um, certain lenses won't work with them. Um, and we were putting like on that one, we were putting Cook Anamorphics on it. You know, and and I would hate to like because we shoot a lot of anamorphic with the Toyota stuff. Um, it's like 
I would hate to get something and not be able to put it on there. Yeah. You know, and of course then we'll just pull it off and we'll go with like a misfit or something. But the part of the problems what we've had is just how big the lens is versus how small the body is. Yeah. That's been <laughs> half the battle with getting things like locked in or even making a, a change. Like yeah, I'm holding the end of the lens to move the whole thing <laughs> because of the, the camera's just so small. Yeah. Those are super cool. Okay. I want to, I want to, I know we're getting to the end of time. I did have one bonus question for you guys and then I have a quick speed round, but this is not technically a speed round question. Best and worst purchases. We've both owned a lot of gear in the course <laughs> of our careers. What has been the best thing you've bought and what's been the worst thing you've bought? Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm really curious to see what you, you say go, to this. You go, John. Okay. Uh, Mini. Mini was uh, the best purchase I made. It was something that I don't like this about gear purchases, but it kind of set me apart in terms of like, oh, he is a DP. You know, and like I fought that color thing. It's like when I bought a Mini, I feel like people kind of took me more seriously on that front because it's like, oh, if he's making that investment, then, you know, that must be what he wants to do. Um, plus, it paid itself off and is a good income generator and it's a great camera like really i don't have anything uh, downside in terms of purchasing that and that's why i'm so apt to like do another larger camera purchase here in the next year so it's just been patiently waiting because the mini still works it's worked a lot less this year because i've been shooting a lot of venice and lf and stuff like that but um that's probably easily my my best purchase that i've made and the worst purchase would probably be pretty much anything lighting because I – or grip in general. It's just like I don't have a truck. I don't need – like if I'm shooting something, I'm hiring someone. So like you know, I'm still so tempted. I see like a 600D or a 1200D <laughs> come out. I'm like, oh, man, that would be so great to have. I'm like, but why? Like I, I work with guys that have these things and um, I just – I don't need to own like lighting gear unless I have a truck. And then if I have a truck, I'm cutting out my friend who's a dope gaffer. Like, I don't want to do that. I yeah. just don't need to do G and E stuff. And I've learned that I just keep kicking myself. I'll keep a couple small things for the odd, you know, here and there. But I, almost every time I kick myself, because I'm like, that's a sitting there. Like I bought your DS one, like forever ago. I've used yeah. it like three times. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's probably about as many times as I used it too. Like, uh, in fact, one of the first times I used it in probably like two years was I did this music video with my buddy Dylan out in LA and we had two lights. We had the DS one, uh, because we wanted, uh, the different color, you know, it's, it is punchy raw and has, you know, full RGB and we had a 200 D or 200 X and that's it. Like we just didn't have anything super small music video and it was great. I was like, man, I should use this more. And I saw it in a drawer the other day and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot I had that. Like yeah. just a waste of money in, in general to like have all these new lights and stuff like that. I love the idea of them and I want to, but like, I just don't need to do that. Mm. I once a week have to convince myself not to buy just like a cream source every week. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, dude, the Vortex I have, 8s are amazing. I have an obsession with that light where I just want to use it and I, I have one. Um, but I, I like, I just, 
the the idea of combining them all together is just like to me it's like the infinity stones <laughs> like I, yeah. i'm like need these I, lights so bad and i'm just like don't they buy make it. a yoke that it. you can put four on oh, one yoke. dude i know i don't it's get so dope. oh dude it's the like, first time i the first time i used the vortex i was with a gaffer in uh in las vegas his name's hunter he was awesome he was amazing and he was just like, I was like, yeah, I think we want some sky panels. He's like, good with Vortex 8s? And I was like, the, that's the cream source, right? And he goes, yeah. I was like, haven't used them yet. And he's like, they're all you're going to want to use after this. And I was oh. like, okay, yeah, we'll see. And I saw them and used them. I was like, yeah, I don't I don't ever want to buy a sky panel. Like, I, I keep telling my friends in Charlotte and stuff like that. It's like, hey, you should get some Vortexes. Like, yeah. they're super dope. Yeah. They're so sick. I want, I want more vortexes, but I should. And they're cheaper than sky panels. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't Amazing. make sense. It doesn't. Dude, Ari's losing their lunch to Cream Source and Sony uh-huh. lately. The Orbiter is dope. I, I like disagree. The Orbiter, the Orbiter is wicked overrated. Like it. It's so heavy and it's so expensive and it's not that I bright. Like it. Ugh. <laughs> I want it to be You don't have to do that. It's great. Like I when guess. I say, hey, I want an Orbiter there and it's there, like it's super dope. I guess I used one on one on this fashion thing and was just like it is not giving me as much light as I want. And I didn't have to deal with rigging it, but it was still just like mm-hmm. I would have rather had a 600x and gelled it than like deal with that thing. Yeah. Okay, your turn, Q. Best and worst. Uh, so my best is probably probably the Venice. Um, I think. Well, it's too soon to say, but I think uh, I just bought a set of signature primes, and I think that will be the. I think that's going to be long term the. Uh, the best thing I've I've ever done, because um, I think they'll just last forever. But uh, the worst, and you just like egg me on because you know it hurts me is the motocrane. Yes, I own a motocrane. I know no one knows that because it's in cases in my garage. I own it with a buddy, and we have used it on. Uh, I think two paid jobs <laughs> and we were just getting plates <laughs> yeah for like a, of a city and uh yeah it's just it, it hurts it hurts too much <laughs> it, if you're thinking about getting a motocrane actually no i shouldn't i shouldn't dissuade anybody if you want a motocrane you should call me <laughs> That's what yeah. I'm saying. Use this <laughs> yeah yeah if anybody's interested in getting a motocrane uh but yeah i think uh for me it didn't really align with um you know I just was like, I want to shoot more cars. And, you know, the whole, like, if you build it, they will come does not apply when you own a motocrane. You know, you're not, <laughs> there. no one has hired a DP uh, to shoot cars because they, they own a motocrane. <laughs> they, yeah. they don't want that. They want the, the team that has their crap together and, you know, has, uh, you know, all the stuff and all the extras and, um, you know, it's just kind of, it just doesn't really vibe with the whole DP owning a motocrane thing. Um, but I've been trying to sell it and it has not sold. Well, hopefully we can find you <laughs> someone from this. I'm sure, I mean, cause there's definitely use cases for it, but that, like, Oh, that or the, uh, we were unpacking my, my house the other day and I was like, Oh, that's the worst purchase. It was the, the Joker 200. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I own a Joker 200 that I've, ne- I've used like once. Yeah, and it was like it was like one of those like I got caught up in the photometrics. I was like, the middle of this Joker of this Joker 200 is so bright. I can. I'm like, uh, you use it on set. You're like, why is this light out? Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, yeah, yeah. the worst purchase I've ever made. I just I'm... feel like that with almost all lighting. Like, it's just yeah. I, I bought one light this year that just piqued my interest enough to to do it, and I, I've liked it, but. I just, anytime I think about buying lights, I just have to remind myself, it's like, you don't, you're not going to use that. Tell, 
tell Ray to buy the light and he'll yeah. probably get get it and it'll be dope you know like yeah. or my my gaffer homies are so yeah yeah i will say though i i it is the motocrane story is like slightly funny but it is also i give you a lot of credit for being someone who puts your money where your mouth is with stuff that when you were like the venice is sick i'm gonna buy a venice you're like i need a motocrane i'm gonna get a motocrane i think i need signature primes and like i'm the kind of person who talks myself out of decisions like that and i feel like whether or not it's like been the most profitable investment i do feel like it was something that pushed you in the direction of like learning more about that and then getting to do more work in that world and like you have gotten to do yeah some mo more work so like it was a it was a stepping stone maybe financially not the best decision <laughs> but like overall uh, well it, the reason i'm not going crazy about like oh I, this thing is like a weight on my on my life is like eh, i flip you know it's like when you start getting a lot of gear you flip gear for other gear and it's kind of like it's not mm -hmm. like it's sitting in my garage. It's not losing me money necessarily. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And money isn't real anyway. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, what is like, that? Yeah. Totally. It's, it's part of the matrix. It's not even real. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, have you ever seen gold reserves? I haven't. Uh, nope. If anybody wants a motocrane, I'm just saying um, the buddy I own it with, he's about to have a baby. I think he would love to get rid of a motocrane. I true. might know a guy. Hey, well, we'll catch up yeah. after this. Are you, do you have my a motocrane guy is always looking for spares. Uh, on stuff like he 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 does uh you know dr heavy lifter drone too he's got an alter x but he keeps his alter nine because you yeah. know whatever and i don't think he has a spare motocrane and he has three vehicles like that he rigs to i could see him being interested yeah and well, he's the nicest guy in the world so i'll have to get him a motocrane that would be a great yeah. idea i'll there, drive it down i to keep him. telling him to buy a russia or a ukraine and uh <laughs> He's like, oh, no, you don't need it, but I'm like, get get it, dude. Like, yeah. it's it's dope. I yeah. I prefer the 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 Ukraine to the motocrane, but the motocrane is great. And I've never had a big problem with it. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's sweet. Well, hopefully, hopefully someone buys it. Um, I was trying to think. I don't know. I feel like the best purchase I made. I'd probably say the Amira dude, was like, yeah, that crushed. And especially, I feel like we should still do another conversation sometime about the whole like co-owning gear and just weird thing. But like, I feel like that whole situation with like to what you said john about like having an amira i feel like at least got me into like jobs that i maybe wouldn't have gotten before the like roi on it was insane the way it hold, held value was insane the work that i got out of it was insane and so like for that like i don't know what do we have it for like two two and a half years we had it for like two years and yeah we made well over we made over 100 grand on it yeah easily yeah it, like that camera was a workhorse i, I mean i i talked about it already and one of the other things i've done here but it, we paid 34 for it so it was like 17 each or whatever and i think we did like 130 in rentals and then cashed out for 30 and so it like netted 160 in two years which is just like crazy compared to anything else i've owned um mm -hmm. but i i don't know i was trying to think of like what the worst thing would be i feel like dude you there was a while where you had so much you had so much random crap I did. I've had a lot of random stuff, but like a lot of it's like small random stuff. Like I'm trying to think of anything big that was honestly like as silly as it is. Uh, I feel like my Scarlet W was not a great purchase and like that definitely lost me a bunch of money. Um, but like for the season I was in, it was a decent decision. I don't know. There's nothing that like sticks out to me as like really, really bad. Maybe that DS1, honestly. Like that's one of the, some of that stuff. And then, that's you, like, and then you let me buy it from you? Wow. <laughs> I, I'm not wow. responsible for your 
desire to own lights. I'm just saying that I've had to learn that I do not need, I agree that I do not need yeah. to own a bunch of lights. But yeah, I feel like there's a lot of like random little stuff. Like I had a Sony OLED monitor for a little bit that I sold. Um, and like, there's definitely some of that stuff that's just like, didn't really get used. It wasn't like a big hit. Like you like lose a couple hundred bucks flipping it or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. but I, I think that's where like, that's part of why I respect you on the motor crane thing is cause I feel like I'm a little bit of a bitch with buying stuff sometimes. So it's like, although I also, I will say the other side of that is I'm really good at flipping stuff. And so I just tend to always buy stuff that I know I can flip for basically what I paid for it. Well, if you want me to start, if you want to give me a card and I can start buying stuff for Perfect. you, I'll gladly. I bought a <laughs> TV because of you guys. I spent $2,000 this week on a, a TV and a hyper studio. So it's your fault. But even that is like, as I was looking at it, it's like, I could sell both of these things in the next six months if I hate them. And it's not going to like cost me a ton of money, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, Free I can't think of, yeah, exactly. Actually, maybe my best, my best uh, purchase is uh, the FDs. The FDs. If I get those rehoused, those are good. They are they are insane price for wise right now. Like just yeah. insane. I have a, a 55 1.2 that's been uh, it's not rehoused, but it's been converted to PL. And I saw a really similar one that was not even converted to PL go for like eight grand. Yeah. yeah. And I was just like, why? Oh yeah. Like, I got, I, I I got a lot of these. I shoot them all the time, but yeah, man. I, I got a lot of these lenses too. And they were like 200 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It's no, like... the, no, it's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. Quentin's FD set is crazy. I feel like that actually is another thing. It's, it's in here somewhere, but I have a Canon 35 L that was the first like real piece of gear I ever bought. I did like my first quote unquote commercial job that was like 1500 bucks or something and I spent all of it on that lens because it was like $1,400 and I still have that lens It's like gone around the world with me It's been used for photo stuff and video stuff and it used to go on the C100 got used on the red Got thrown on the RE once in a while and now it's living on my little old film SLR But that lens is like it has a special place in my heart as like the oldest piece of real gear I have so I don't know that I've like made bank off of it, but just from like a personal creative uh, fulfillment thing. It was a really good purchase. I just thought of a, another terrible investment that I continue to make. And I, I just made another one this week. Uh, stills cameras. I don't know what my problem is. I do not make money <laughs> shooting stills. I own so many stills cameras for no reason. Like real quick. Like why? John's going to melt your brain right now. He melted my brain when I went to the office. Why do I have this? Why That's do like, I have this Hasselblad with the with the medium oh format digital back? You Why have a digital have... Hasselblad? Yeah. Why? Yeah, I know. I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know. I just bought an MP last week. Yeah. Because my Leica dude was like, "Hey, I got an MP, and are you interested?" I said, "Yes." Why? Yeah. Why? I have an M6. Dude. I don't need it. That's a good flex, though. I like that. It's, a, it's definitely it's not, a good flex. No, no. I'm, I'm, this is not a flex. This no, is 100% stupid <laughs> money management. No, it's, I got, it's big I dick energy. Seven. When, I have an X-Pan. Yeah, when someone comes into your office and you have like 20 grand of, or probably like 50 grand of photo cameras laying on that table, it's a big time flex on like I know what I'm doing. The other thing that John will probably not say, but I will say. I have a whole other body that doesn't even have anything on it. Why do I have this? John also has like an incredible guitar collection right out of frame in there. Oh, dude, I love that. 
I know those I are sh- good investments. They, uh, great Guitars investments. are a good investment. Stills cameras are not. We yeah. all have a we all have the same affliction. I feel like of like music and camera uh, stuff. We got to figure out how to get paid for music, dude. I watched I watched two things on Disney Plus the other night. The Olivia Rodrigo d- documentary, which is really really well done. Actually, I was uh, super impressed by it. And then there's a Taylor Swift one on folklore. Um, and how they like recorded it remotely during the pandemic. It's like her and this guy from- I saw that one. Yeah, it's really good, but it made me, both of those things made me just want to make music again. Like I miss playing music with people. And so I've like started pulling out my guitar and like running it into Logic and just like noodling on stuff. But I feel like that's something that I- used to do more of and that I miss. And and that's the one thing that's like to the film, uh, like photo camera thing though. I don't know. I've tried to get better at letting myself be okay with the fact that like I can invest in things that I just enjoy. You know, like mm-hmm. I love my A1. I, I do get hired once in a while for photo stuff and so it's paid for itself and it's great. But like that camera is also just so much fun. And like at this point, uh, you got me on the nice film club train. I try to oh, keep. That's so dope. It's so great, and it's like if I think about it too much. What is that? It's a nice film club. It's a it's lab like a in Brooklyn. Yeah, it's like ten bucks per roll for development and scans. That's pretty cool. It's a hundred dollar membership fee yearly. Yeah, and you get ten free rolls on it, but you're locked into a lower rate. But they're. Um, user interface and like customer service and how they do things is far and above better than everywhere else. Yeah, like, wow. you gotta see this. It's That's so cool. the organization. Like I, I've been raving about them. I I was telling my buddy Aaron, I was like, let's not tell people about it because <laughs> then then they're gonna get busy because their turnaround is like half what other p- places like normal turnaround is. Yeah, yeah, it's super, it's super fast, it's super uh, cost effective, and so you can just go in and like download your whole role. But they also keep them all organized by like dates and stocks and all. Well, this you sort told of stuff. the wrong guy over here. He's gonna be. Instagram story in 10 minutes is going to be... Well, and the, here's the thing. Uh, sorry. <laughs> the truth about here's the thing. Nice he already club. did it. I did already do it. He already did it. Oh, God. It's already but starting. What's also We're keeping cool them in like business. The, the scans are like fine JPEGs or whatever, but if you want a high-res TIFF, you literally just click it and it's a dollar. Like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. Just right there. Like literally if you're just like, oh, I really like the shot. I like the edit I did for it, but I want the high-res. You just go on there. Click oh, wow. it and it gives you a high res tiff and it's like that is brilliant. Yeah. Like I don't have to pay up front for a bunch of scans I don't want. Right. Yeah. But the base you scans know? are also pretty good. I've They're been super good. happy with them for a ton of stuff. But yeah, it's like if I wanted to get like a big print, you just go in here. But I've started doing that and I feel like that's one of those things where like for a while I was like, ah, I don't want to shoot film. I bought that uh whatever it is, T Rebel T two for like 80 mm-hmm. bucks on eBay and it's great. I like it. Like I love I, the whole like a world, but like being able to go just shoot aperture priority. Like even we were at the Boston marathon yesterday and I just like have autofocus and aperture priority and go like rip down a bunch of film. And I just try to I not, not think about it, but it's just like, I'm doing this cause I love it. If it costs me 30 bucks, it costs me 30 bucks. Like of all the stupid things that I spend $30 on, I'd rather like mm-hmm. go do this than like go get a, bunch of drinks and watch a football game right now and so like i don't know i've been trying to be better about that and myself of just like what are the things that i care about because there's probably stuff i'm spending money on that i don't care that much about and some of these other things like music and film mm-hmm. and photography that like i enjoy that are worth spending money on yeah one thing yeah i go on quentin sorry. No, i was gonna say the one thing i was gonna ask you is i feel like you are uh you have a lot of weird little filters 
I feel like you have some specialty filters. You got any special oh, sauce lately? Oh, like 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 uh, four by fives? No, no, just like um, like just four by five six filters. Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel like you got any special sauce? I don't sauce. know what you're talking about. I uh, I feel like that, in, that, in that drawer back there is probably filled with like all the. <laughs> The gear room is in another part of the building. Like, I'll hear something. What was that filter they use? That's like, I've never even heard of that. There's only one that I get asked about more than, more than others. And it's not any secret. It's a Schneider true net one black. Um, I had one of those. I got it because you had it and you used it on that music video for Roland or whatever, I think. And I bought it and used it with the Vistas for a while. I love that thing. Well, well, people ask a lot about, they'll, they'll say, especially that music video, like, what lenses did you shoot on? And I was like, Tequila Vista Primes, like, they're, you know, that's the set I own. Like, uh, but I, I use lots of different filtration on them to make them do different things. And I usually, when I do something weird, I get a lot of, uh, a lot of questions about oh, what lenses were those Tequila Vista Primes. And I don't, and I shoot a lot of different lenses. I'm very lens agnostic, um, like just whatever is good for the project. You, but that's you don't the set believe that in I lenses? personally own. Yes. <laughs> I don't believe in one lens. I believe okay. all lenses matter. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, I glimmer glass a lot. Love yeah. glimmer glass. I like stacking um, uh, low cons with things. So, like, I'll stack a low con with a pro mist. I'll stack a low con with the true net. You know, like, I, I like really playing around with kind of different varieties. And then, like, I – you know, the prism lens effects stuff is okay. Like, um, I have a, a blank filter that has a 77 mil insert so I can take their like split diopters and double split diopters and things like that and put it in there. But I also have like four or five clear filters that, um, like uh, one of them I broke like on purpose. I took a little pin to it and I like gave it some cracks and things like that. (laughs) Um, And it's a clear filter. Like who cares? It's 30 bucks, but I'll do things like I will take a clear filter and like put Vaseline on it and like not, not ever clean it. Like I'll just, I actually has its own um, like uh, holder that it's a stays in and the Vaseline is like all like hard now, you know, (laughs) because it's not, (laughs) you know, so I have like, I just play around a lot with that stuff and I would like to, be do do more stuff that's a little crazy um but you know there's hey, you're a wizard only so filters, much man. yeah no i've noticed it, that. they're fun i mean i i could spend a lot of money on filters there's this one filter set uh forget they're from um ibc do you know what i'm talking about no. um i'll find out really quick they are like really what I'm interested in, in terms of like oh, owning some stuff, these but the they're ones super that, like, expensive. They have all the wires and them yeah, and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. The swirly stuff. Like uh, my buddy Nathan in um, Nashville, he owns Contrast City. He's got a, a couple sets um, and they're really, really cool. Yeah, those look really interesting. Those are Yeah, cool. and I've, I've seen stuff like it's just really interesting things what i forget what they're called i think they're by ibc or whoever makes that mm-hmm. raptor lens you guys know what i'm talking oh, about oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see uh ibe like, that's it IBE. ibe yeah i want to see the signature primes funked up a bit like i feel like that would be really cool well the thing i want to get for them is those like those back uh diopters for them so cool it's just hard to apparently they're really they're not they're cheap and you can get them made like at an optician, but it just takes forever. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I had a buddy who said he's waited like five months for him. That's cool. Uh, I shot, I shot, uh, signature primes a couple times. Um, it was was actually Toyota, um, uh, campaign that died, um, for weird reasons that I can tell you offline. Um, but the director that I shoot them with, Ben Carter, is awesome, and he loves funky. He loves anamorphic, all this stuff. But he knew that these spots needed to be like really clean, so we decided to go signature primes. And I cannot tell you how much he hated them. Like, really? Like, they they do nothing for me. They're just, ugh. and I'm just like, I mean, they look great. Like they're like master primes. Like they're just super clean. He's like, yeah, it's just, ugh, hate it. Hate it so much. That's funny. <laughs> and I mean, obviously, you know, he's kind of joking, but like he just loves funky. Like he loved the black wings. When I said, let's shoot black wings on this yeah. last thing, he was just like, oh, hell yeah. Like he, he was like, those remind me of anamorphic and I love anamorphic. And so like, yeah, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a nut for the funk, which I like. Yeah. That's cool. That yeah. is cool. I love the signatures though. I, I'm excited. I haven't I really like seen anything with them. See, they're, they're cool to me. They're not as, uh, they're, they've still got their own character. It's weird. Like they're not, not character, like in the traditional sense of like, they're going to give you these weird aberrations and stuff, but they've got their own thing going on. You know, they don't just feel like clinical to me. Yeah. I like them. That's cool. I like them a lot. And I love the weight. It's crazy. Oh the first time I picked one up, I was like, what is yeah. going on? They're like, they look huge. I was like, and then you're just like, yeah, no, I did the same thing. I was like, almost ripped it out of the box. Made out of magic. <laughs> yeah. Who's going to listen to this? Who's going to listen to this? This is great. Who cares? Yeah, that's exactly. Look at us. Yeah. Look at us. My my Um, new, this is a true story. My new metric for all of this kind of stuff is I want to have a good time doing it with people who I have a good time doing stuff like this with. And if anyone else listens to it, great. And if they don't, I really don't care. Like I have so just enjoyed the conversation. And if no one ever listens to it, I I personally don't care. Well, this is the first time Quinn and I have actually had a chance to like talk. I know because like we've texted here and there and everything. I mean, because you of your like last week c- competitive beef that you guys have. Yeah, I'm no, not competitive at all. No, no. Like, I I think people who are like really weird and competitive like need to chill out because yeah. if you you know I always say like I want to be hired for a job because I'm the right person for the job. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like the only time I'll get mad is when there's like a conversation about something and then like you, you're just not up front with me about going in a different direction yeah. like because you're wasting my time you know what i mean but like if you choose someone else like great awesome like let me know if there's anything i can do to set you up like you yeah. know i want i want to be helpful and i'm not right for every job yeah, yeah. you know that type of thing i so, think also like all my all my best friends are dps who work with the same people i work with and you just kind of mm-hmm. just get used to it it's yeah fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Not, not on every job. I feel like that is something that like, though, I feel like, I don't know about you guys, but I've had to grow into. It's just like the security of like, what am I a good fit for? And what am I not a good fit for? And that the more that I sort of have a sense of that for myself, one, the less nervous I get around other people getting chosen, but two, also the easier it is to be like, oh, you should like, you should call Quentin or you should call John or you should call whatever. And I feel like there was a period where I was like, I felt like I had to try and capture everything. And then whenever someone else got chosen, it felt weird but now it's like i feel like i have a much better sense now of like oh no it totally makes sense that you had like curry shoot that or it totally makes sense that like mm-hmm. you're a way better dp 
than I am at this point. And I have no shame saying that. And like, so it's like, I tell everyone they should hire you, not me, unless they can't afford you. And like, John's incredible at car stuff and all this other stuff he's doing. Like, but I feel like, I don't know if you guys have ever had that experience, but there was definitely a while like where you were getting called for a bunch of stuff that I had gotten called for before. And I had my own little, like in my head stuff about it. Mm -hmm. But I feel like I'm, I'm grateful to feel like I'm sort of over that at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really, I don't really feel like that are, much. Are you talking to Wilson after this? Yeah, oh, that's so funny because my next call was Wilson. I know. Well, so I <laughs> we was, should get him on the podcast. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> well, so it was funny because yeah, I was talking to him yesterday uh, and Jason Adams, and I so we had both of these scheduled, and they were sort of like back to back. And in my head, I flipped them, and so then you had said something about timing, and it was this time. And then they had said something about pushing later. And then I was like, wait, I'm so mixed up. And so I, I like voice memoed him and I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm talking to John and Quentin tomorrow. Like what actually works for you? And he was like, I'm also just talked to Quentin and I'm about to talk to John. So like we're all in this weird circle of all talking <laughs> yeah. to the same people. But uh, well, it made me so happy seeing Quentin was shooting with uh, Rojas and, and Wilson the other week. And he had like the Dallas dream team. Yeah. I was oh, like, who's your yeah. gaffer? And I was like, man, I never get hit. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. You know, like it was, it was, it was a party. But I love seeing it because they you know they're all good. friends. Like Matthew's a super good friend. Wilson's. I'm shooting with Wilson first week of May. Yeah. Like you know, and that's going back to the competitive thing. Like be stoked for people. Like it right. looked awesome. Yeah. You know, like yeah, right. That's like I mean, that's a small thing that I've really tried to change my my actions on like i feel like my mindset changed but i try to be better now about like actively cheering for people when i yeah. see stuff like that mm -hmm. you know like even on social i feel like it's so easy to just be like oh that's cool but i didn't get to work with them or whatever but to just go and be like that's awesome this looks sick you guys are doing a great job that's an awesome team just like verbalizing the support helps me stay in that space in my head too that it's like those guys are making something really cool and i'm excited to see what it is i love it when i'm friends with people now because I don't care now. I'm like, I get a free, I get a free insight onto however someone else did something. Cause it's my friends. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, how'd you guys like this? How'd you do this? How'd you do this? What's this over here? You yeah. know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, so I'll just, I'll definitely, I'll definitely hit friends up that are shooting with people I normally shoot with or something. I'll ask them what they were doing and how they did the certain yeah. setups and stuff. It's like a free, free lesson on someone else's setup. I love yeah. it. Well, and also it's just like that, that friendship camaraderie type thing, you know, like, I mean, I've definitely had to have combos where it's like, Hey, you know, we don't work together. That's cool. But like, I still, I just really care about our friendship. Like right. I just want to make sure that that isn't, you know, working in whatever way or a situation like that isn't like, yeah, I might be frustrated about something or they might be frustrated with me about something. But I always go back to like, cool, like we don't have to work together, but like I still want to be your friend and like yeah. let's make sure that we're good on that front. Right. You know what I mean? Because like there's no point in like ruining a relationship over like maybe miscommunication or double booking or, you know, whatever the 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 situation is, like that's not what's important. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And so much is like at a certain point you start to get so busy that it's like an availability thing you know what i mean oh yeah so it's like i always am just i've i have no hard feelings when you know someone else is booked it's like it is what it is there'll be a time when they're booked on a job and i'm and i'm gonna get the call you know yeah yeah